Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lines Radio, the Puck Podcast. We're deeply sorry that we have not been here for a few weeks now. We actually did record one other podcast, but it was lost to the infinite void of the internet when the recording device did not work quite correctly. So we're back now, which is the good news, and we're here to discuss uh, pretty much where Penn State has gotten to at this point in the season, kind of going over everything briefly. We'll focus on the most recent series with American International, and then we'll take some time to take a look at the Michigan Wolverines. As always, this is your host, Nick Pollock, and tonight, also as always, I'm joined by the wonderful, the brilliant, the goodest hockey boy around, Mr. Doug Leeson. How you doing, Doug? I'm good. After that intro, I it oh man, that's that's the best thing that happens to me every week. I do I do try to really really build up to that moment of that intro. My my goal is just to make you feel as good as possible going into. Oh, it. the listeners are thinking, oh, who is it? He's wonderful. He's brilliant. Ah, dang it, it's Doug again. Oh, who could it be? Who could it be? Oh no. <laughs> uh, so like I Different said, different story. If we get if we get the lovely Caitlin. Caitlin Dividock next week. Yes. Then, one, then one the listeners are in for something. One of these days we will get one Caitlin to join us on the pod, and it will be taken to even new heights, because then we will have <laughs> the goodest hockey boy and the goodest hockey girl. Like well, I said, let's really quickly just kind of recap how Penn State has gotten to the 3-3-0 record that they currently sit at. Um, currently also sitting at number 15 in the USCHO poll, they have played series so far this year. They started uh, with the loss to Ottawa, although that was the um, the preseason game didn't count. They lost to Clarkson to open the season, which was disappointing. They beat St. Lawrence. Weekend after that, they split a series um, at Minnesota, which was shocking, to say the least, earlier in the year. I mean, a welcome surprise. And then they returned home this past weekend to take on American International, in a series that really just did not go well. The first game on Thursday night, Penn State did win by a final of 7-5, to five, kind of an absurd scoreline. Um, it never really felt like Penn State was in danger of losing the game. It was just more that American International just didn't really go away at any point. And then on uh, Friday night... Uh, AIC got some revenge and took the 3-2 overtime winner, and there's a lot that went wrong in that game. So, just right off the bat, Doug, how before we even break down the AIC series specifically, how did this team go from splitting Minnesota to splitting American International? Well, I think what happened is, I don't know, I don't want to say that they got too confident because they were only, you know, after every weekend so far, they've been 500. But I think knowing that you can beat Minnesota on the road kind of gives you, it makes you think you have too much of a cushion. And that's something Godowski said after the overtime loss to AIC is that Penn State kind of got away from its game, which is to play, which is to be a very difficult team to play against. And so they weren't crashing the net. They weren't getting these second and third chance opportunities because I think Penn State probably had convinced itself that if we can beat Minnesota, then we can do play it like half effort and not really do the plays that'll that'll hurt, and we can still beat AIC. So I think I don't know. I, I 
you can't rebound if you keep winning. And I think that might be what happened to Penn State here is that they beat Minnesota, they beat AIC and on, on Thursday night, and then, I don't know, they just kind of got ahead of themselves. Maybe we're looking forward to Michigan after scoring seven against AIC. I think they may have looked past. I hate this cliche, but I think they may have looked past the second game against AIC. Yeah, it, it's it's disappointing that, that that really does seem like that's what happened. And it's disappointing being in that it was the first home series of the year and you'd hope that they'd be that that alone would be enough juice to kind of carry them through no matter who the opponent is but yeah I I know the one thing that I know specifically and you mentioned it and Godowski mentioned it after the game just the lack of guys going at the net I mean Penn State scores so many goals that way just so many putbacks that they're just relentless in that regard and they just weren't that at all against AIC it was kind of shocking to see absolutely and they play Penn State plays a good possession game and they weren't really getting in the corners they weren't as you said crashing the net they were Penn State has been really really bad in the face-off circle all season which yeah. is in previous years has been a strength but just all those things kind of kind of uh took over that second AIC game and that's that's how you lose to what might be one of the worst teams in the country yeah, and I know, I think you mentioned this in our Slack during, I think it was during the first game, um, something, I think we were saying that Berger ran something like a 60% face-off percentage last year. Yeah, he was, he, among like rele- guys who had taken a relevant amount of face-offs, he was one of the absolute best all last season. He's at like 25% this year, or at least last time I checked, which might have been before the AIC season, series. He was like 25% for... I don't know. I don't. I can't explain how that happened. Yeah, and it's not like they won as a team, and certainly him individually. It's not like they won an overwhelming amount of faceoffs against AIC. So I doubt that percentage went up very much. Right. No, they were they uh, AIC. I think won a lot more faceoffs on both nights, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's pretty. That's that's pretty concerning, especially considering some of the teams that Penn State's going to be facing this year and the team that they'll be facing right away this weekend, but uh, we'll get there. But as enough of the negatives, because there are, have been a good number of positives to start the season as well. Um, splitting the Minnesota, obviously, splitting the Minnesota series, obviously a great place to start. But what sort of things have you noticed that give you confidence for the rest of this season from Penn State? Well, there are three big ones, and two should be absolutely no surprise. Um, obviously, one of them is Dennis Smirnov. He has 10 points in six games. I think I saw that leads the Big Ten, or it's up there. But he he's, he picked up where he left off last year. And I think just for my own, you know, for my own eye test, I think he's gotten faster, which is a huge problem for every other team because that, I think, was kind of, uh, it's always been my knock on him in regards to other players who play his role in college and moved on to the NHL is that he has this skill set and this vision and this IQ, but, and all that's similar to like a Johnny Goudreau, same size, but he wasn't an incredible skater. And now he's, he's a bit faster than he was last year. So Smirnov is a positive. Peyton Jones again is a positive. Um, he gave up five goals on that first AIC game. But as I said in the recap, I think like four of them, I don't think were his fault. So kind of similar to last year. He doesn't have great stats, but he is playing very well. And then the third positive that 
stood out is that all the freshmen are really meshing very well. Um, Evan Barrett, unfortunately, was injured in the first game, uh, which is too bad because he is projected, I guess, to be the best freshman in the class. But Alex Limoge, and that's how you pronounce it, actually. I ran into him on yes. the uh, bus the other day. <laughs> I got to talk to him on the bus for a little bit, and he oh, told me cool. it's Limoge. Yeah. Um, Cole Holtz is incredible on defense. I mean, in like the first, in the preseason game, like the first two games of the season, he didn't look great in his own zone. And then in the last four games, like complete all around player. I guess five points in six games, two really, really nice goals. So Holtz is good. Um, I think that's all the freshmen who have consistently gotten time. Adam Pilowitz played, he's a defenseman who played, he played one game at forward and he, uh, Looked like he fit in. Uh, I think that's all the freshmen who got some playing time. And then Brett Murray, who was kind of a liability last year and didn't really play too much. He's looked really nice this year playing alongside Limoges and Marsh. At least that's that's been his uh, most common line. So yeah, all like all the freshmen and Murray are are fitting in really well. And those are them and Smirnov and Jones are uh, three big positives six games in. Yeah, I agree with what you said about Smirnov. He just looks, he definitely looks faster. He also looks somehow smoother. I mean, he was already a really smooth player to begin with, but everything just seems like it just is just ticked up another notch. I mean, he scored he scored two goals already on wraparounds. Some with at least one with a pretty ridiculous angle um, that he got. He was able to get the puck set up in a way that he's able to pop it up. And then his passing just continues to amaze. Like, he, he just puts pucks on a dime for dudes. It's fun to watch. Oh, for sure. That uh, Holtz's goal, I think... Oh, I'm sorry. You cut out. I no, no, done. go for it. But, yeah, Holtz's... I think it was Holtz's first goal last weekend. Or, no, yep. his second one. I think it was second his first game. goal. That power play. Uh, either way, one of his goals on the power play. Smirnov and Audio and Holtz had this insane passing play. It was like... Just probably like six or seven passes, six or seven one-touch passes, would end, which ended with Smirnov sending it all the way across the ice to tee up Holtz, who, who blasted it past the goalie. But yes, yeah, Smirnov is just, not only is he faster, but he just seems a lot more comfortable. And yeah. Yeah, it, it looked like on that on that one play, I, I think it was Holtz's first goal, it almost looked like a, a Pep Guardiola coached soccer team playing hockey. Like it was just... <laughs> Just every just every dude touched the puck. Everybody just put these beautiful passes in. Um, but, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I agree with what you said about Peyton Jones also. I know a, a cup, at least three of those goals in the 7-5 win were fluky for sure. Um, and I didn't mention it, but uh, Jones was not the goalie in the overtime loss. Chris Funky was a net for that Correct. one. And did play pretty well for the most yeah, part. Yeah, no, Funky's, Funky's always been a really good goalie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, the freshman, Alex Limoge looks really good. He looks like a really good fit for the team. Um, and like you said, it's a shame that Evan Barrett's not in right now. Hopefully he gets back soon because if if he's the best player in the freshman class based on how great Limoge and Holtz have looked, I'm super excited to watch Barrett play more. And then, of course, my personal favorite is Cole Holtz. I, <laughs> I have fully decided that after, what, five games, six games, that Holtz is clearly the heir apparent to Drew Doughty out in L.A. and that <laughs> he will be a future NHL All-Star for years and years to come. He's really fun to watch. 
See, I thought I assumed you were gonna finish that sentence with Vince Pedri. But that's, that's <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, you're thinking too small. <laughs> yeah, apparently. And so, uh, more on Limoge. We, we were talking throughout uh, both AIC games on Slack, and I think after every period, I said, "All right, next period, Limoge is gonna score his first goal because he had so many. I think he probably had more high quality scoring chances than any other Nittany line, especially in the second game. So it's it's really surprising to me that he hasn't buried any of them yet i think he still has three assists in six games but once he scores his first i think he's he's really gonna rocket up the score sheet and he does a lot of really little things well too i remember in the the seven five game there was just one play it wasn't anything that will go down in the score sheet or anything but there's just one play he made to keep a puck in the zone just it, it was just really great quickness and the angle he took just to keep the offense possession alive. Just things like that, always in, always impressive to see from a true freshman. So he's been, he's he looks really good. He he seems like he's going to be a really good player for this team. Definitely. So as I mentioned at the top, we did lose. We Doug and I did. Well, we thought we were recording a podcast that was the second half of our uh, season preview. Um, that unfortunately got lost to space. So we want to kind of rehash some of those things that we talked about in that podcast. Um, Doug did his best to try to recover some of it in word form in articles on the site, but uh, figured it'd be a good place to kind of talk about some of those predictions and thoughts we had. Um, we'll start with who we think the top five leading scorers will be for this season. Um, yes, the season did start, so we already have an idea of who's out ahead, but there's still plenty of time to go, so it won't really affect our predictions all that much. Um, so, Doug, do you want to lead off with the five that you think will lead the team? Yeah, so the the first two we both agree with, and I think it's I think most Penn State fans will agree with, Dennis Smirnov is going to lead the team in scoring, and Andrew Sturtz will be second. Andrew Sturtz will probably lead the team in goals, Smirnov in overall points. My third pick is just kind of by default the top line center is always going to put up points also chase Berger yeah. is very very talented which contributes to why i have him third fourth i have nate susie's who i think is overlooked a lot um but he definitely has some offensive flash i think he he scored this weekend i think or maybe it was against minnesota either way i, I know he had a really nice goal at some point yeah. this season and then fifth is uh who's quickly becoming one of my favorite players here is Alex Lamoge. And yeah. the end, I, hey, I made that prediction before the season this that he'd true. be fifth, and now it's turning out pretty well, but it's an old prediction. <laughs> um, and on my side, uh, like Doug said, we agree on Smirnov and Sturts. I have Susie's ahead of Berger, which uh, I don't know. I don't have really have a ton of reasoning why. I just, I, I just for some reason, think Susie's will come out ahead. And then... Um, for my fifth player, I also have a freshman, but I actually think it's going to end up being Cole Holtz. I do really like Alex Limoge, and Doug is smarter than I, and Limoge will probably end up in that fifth spot by the time the year is over. But I think Cole Holtz has a really good chance to be a... I think he has a chance to be better than Vince Petrie was. Maybe not this year, but I just, I'm really excited about what I've seen from him so far now that I have the benefit of having seen him for a few games. Um, I am 99% sure he was my pick for fifth before the year started, so I hope hopefully I'm not cheating here. But it just seems like of all the defensemen on Penn State, they're going to put up points. It seems like he's going to be the one that kind of leads that pack, and I could see him sneaking into that um, top five discussion there. 
So, yeah, the next... so far, I'm oh, sorry. So far, Holtz has already looked really, really dangerous on the power play, and I think he, yeah. he's definitely locked in that spot. On like, if you're looking at that, he's on like the right edge of the umbrella setup, and I mean, he looks so comfortable there already. I think he's going to put up a ton of points on the power play. So I think that is a good pick. But also, I think we're both kind of overlooking Brandon Byro, who yeah. didn't score a ton last year, but is in a pretty uh, important role. He's probably better defensively, but I don't know. He's off to a hot start this year, and uh, Brandon Byro could be a sleeper pick there. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of guys that could end up jumping in that top five that even that we haven't mentioned in the last minute here. So it's it's a great offensive team when they put it all together and there's tons of potential for points all over the ice so looking ahead one of the other things that we talked about that we'll circle back to here are what games we're circling on the calendar so Penn State's schedule has a lot of really interesting matchups and most of that's due to the fact that the Big Ten is really interesting and good this year so um, I'll go first for this one since I let you do your top scorers first the series that I'm looking at that I think could end up being the most important of the year is that February 2nd, February 3rd home series against Notre Dame. Now, I feel like normally when we pick important series, we tend to look at series on the road because playing on the road is more difficult. But this is the thir- this series against Notre Dame is the third to last series of the year. It comes right after a series at Wisconsin. Um, it is followed by a series at Michigan State and then home against Minnesota to close out the regular season. When I look at this series, I just I see I see a lot of jockeying for Big Ten tournament position going on here. And with the new format, that's just wherever where you finish in the regular season is going to be so important. Um, considering you're going to get a home a home ice advantage, and I I see Notre Dame and Penn State probably finishing around the same area in the conference whereas at Michigan State should be fairly straightforward. Michigan State isn't very good this year. And versus Minnesota, I'm, I, can't, I can't really pick that one just because Minnesota should win both of those games. They're good enough to do that. So um, I just see that Notre Dame series at home, I see that being really important for jockeying for the best position that Penn State can get. So that's, that's the series I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, so I'm looking at, I'm looking at the schedule now. I wrote down one answer but I've already convinced myself that there's like three other possible ones. So it was my answer until 20 seconds ago was two weeks after this weekend when Penn State goes to Notre Dame, November 10th and 11th. Uh, playing in South Bend is going to be very tough, and Penn State might need some early season momentum or at least a bit of a rebound after you know dropping one to AIC, and then who knows what is going to happen against Michigan and Mercyhurst coming up. But it's still early in the season, and Penn State already proved it can win at Minnesota, so that Notre Dame series seems a little, I don't know, less daunting. I like your pick with the uh, home series against Notre Dame in the third to last week of the season, but I'm going to pick the cheapest answer and that Minnesota series to close out the regular season, February 23rd and 24th, because I, I just, as you said with the new format of the Big Ten tournament and how there's going to be so much jockeying for, for position at the end of the season. I I could imagine a scenario in which Penn State is going to have to like sweep Minnesota or get a certain number of points to get a top four seed to get a home playoff series. And so I, th- I think 
yeah, I mean, it's it's cheap and it's all for obvious reasons. But that last series of the regular season at home against Minnesota, I think, is uh, going to be going to be cool and important. And maybe if they have a top seed locked up already, they'll take it easy. Who knows? It's fine. Just take yeah, take knows? a weekend off, rest up, let Penn State do their thing. That's fine. Um, so the next thing we're going to talk about is whether or not Penn State's going to have a better or worse record this year than last year. Last year, the team went 25-12-2. They were Big Ten championship champions, in case you forgot, and they made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament after curb stomping all over Union. So I, I'm... I don't remember what I said when we recorded the lost episode here, but I'm going to let you answer first because I'm going to base my answer off of yours. <laughs> well, I remember my answer, and I think it's already pretty much proven wrong. I thought Penn State would have a, a similar record, maybe a bit worse, probably wouldn't win the Big Ten tournament, but would be able to make the NCAA tournament based on the pairwise. But that was before the season. I think it's I, I think again it's going to be a similar record overall but I think Penn State's pairwise is not going to be good enough to make the NCAA tournament already because if if my understanding of how that works is correct is that a team gets points for having like a transitive property win over another team if it's like one team removed if that makes sense so like AIC beat Penn State, and then there's going to be like 20 teams that beat AIC this season, and so so many teams are going to have more strength in the pairwise than Penn State. So, and that's the pairwise is basically what the NCAA tournament is field is based off of. So Penn State already took kind of huge hit uh, in the pairwise that they might not be able to recover from if they only have a pretty good season. Um, and that's only if my understanding of the pairwise is correct. So whatever. But I, I don't think they'll make the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid, though, this year. So they're going to have to win the Big Ten tournament again, which is obviously going to be very, very difficult, especially with Notre Dame there. So I think overall this might be a worse year than last year. Yeah. I Unfortunately, I think I kind of agree with you. The... American international loss is a really bad one and like yeah my my understanding of the pairwise is about the same as yours I, I believe it's based on the what the things that you said and this is a pretty crippling loss in that regard I I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility that Penn State plays well enough during the rest of the regular season to kind of combat that I but it's just such a tough conference with so many so many great players and so many great teams that it's it's unreasonable to predict that this team will win the conference or win the Big 10 tournament so i it's i i at this point in time i can't i can't predict them making the NCAA tournament unless they end up going unless they win up like 30 games or something and that's probably just not in the cards for this team unless something major changes and I don't know maybe Evan Barrett comes back from injury and 
the whole offense takes a step up and they just don't they just decide they don't want to lose anymore so it's possible but at this point in time it does it does seem unlikely unfortunately that they make the NCAA tournament yeah but I will say Penn State does have the schedule to rebound from the IC loss because they're going to play two more times against Minnesota four times against Notre Dame Michigan should be pretty highly ranked as you know once we get deeper into the season same with Wisconsin Ohio State's fine Uh, so Penn State has a pretty difficult schedule meaning if they do well if they win three games against each conference team that's I mean that'll be huge so that you know they have a difficult enough schedule that if they do well on it you know that's good yeah, it's it's the gift and the curse of playing against so many and being in a conference with so many good teams that you can you can recover from something like this, but if you are just okay against a schedule like that, then things just kind of snowball from there and there's not really any any chance for redemption unless you win a postseason tournament unfortunately. So, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure we can kind of revisit this question throughout the year. Um Obviously, it'll get easier as time goes on because we'll have a better idea of what the record is. But um, just the kind of whole debate on whether or not they'll be able to qualify for the NCAA tournament will be a nice thing to check in on all year long. And if yeah, they are, did you able, see? Uh, oh, sorry to sorry oh sorry that I keep interrupting. But did you see that uh, somebody tweeted today about the football team? Like, oh, who has Penn State played since they beat Ohio State last year? Of course, that's of course I saw yeah, that. which is. <laughs> Which is hilarious, but it's the it's it's the opposite thing with Penn State hockey. They play a great team like every other week. Um, yeah. So yeah, they'll, they'll be able to get a high ranking, and it'll be hard to uh, you know if they keep winning, they'll, they'll have a high ranking. And it'll be hard to claim that they ain't played nobody. Absolutely. Yeah. If this if this team is in a position to make runs in the playoffs and make the NCAA tournament, they will have 100% earned it. And if they do, it's probably going to be on the backs of some players that could end up going pro at the end of the season. Um, This past year, we saw Vince Pedri sign with the Rangers. Um, Jesus, who else left after last year? Nobody left. Nobody left early, but five seniors graduated, and I think three of them are playing right now yes and doug actually wrote a nice piece on nice piece today today being wednesday you're probably listening to this on thursday uh he wrote a piece um highlighting where different penn state alumnus are from the hockey team so uh, be sure to check that out we'll let him kind of riff on that in just a few minutes here but before we move on to that just this question of who has the potential to go pro off of this Penn State team. They have a bunch of guys that have already been drafted. Dennis Smirnov is a Colorado Avalanche draft pick. Once again, weekly play, Dennis, stay away, stay away, stay away. Um, <laughs> Cole Holtz drafted by the Kings. Brett Murray was drafted by the Blackhawks. Nope. No? I'll let, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have fun with this. Mm. Brett Murray was drafted by... <sighs> The namesake of the hockey rink. He's drafted by the Sabers. Oh, oh, that's right. That's Evan right. Barrett was drafted by the Blackhawks, that's and what it is. Nikita Pavlichev was drafted by the Penguins. Yes. So they have a bunch of guys who have already been drafted. Um, but Doug, I'm going to leave this question totally up to you, and I'll just add thoughts if I have them along the way. But at the end of the season, who do you think um, will end up making the jump aside from the graduating? 
seniors, who do you think will jump early and go pro? Right. Well, the, the three seniors, I think, are all good enough to play at the next level where it uh, looks like two guys who graduated last year haven't found a team or, you know, have not really or have, you know, not looked for a team. But Eric Audio, Trevor Hamilton and James Robinson, I think we'll all find at least briefly they will find careers playing hockey professionally. But otherwise, there are two guys I'm looking at who can go pro early. Um, I don't think it's going to be Smirnov or any of the draft picks or most of the draft picks that we named because I think Smirnov's at, at least stays for one more year unless he scores like 60 points. But I think Andrew Sturtz, who is a junior now, I think he is going to he's going to do what Casey Bailey did his junior year and then he signed with the Maple Leafs. I think he's going to score comfortably over 20 goals. Uh, still is a great skater, has a great shot. Um, just a high energy player. I haven't really at least paid attention too much or nothing he's really done has stood out when he's in the defensive zone, but he's a great offensive player that can definitely complement an AHL team. If, and if not, he can definitely play in Europe or in, uh, ECHL. But I think, I think he can sign an AHL contract and I forget what I broke down before the season. I'm thinking it's like a 45% chance right now that Sturts leaves after the year. And then the other guy was kind of a dark horse is Pavlichev because he doesn't really have much skill. And I don't think he will have it, but he is a fine skater and he's six foot seven. And you know how many six foot seven guys do the penguins have in their system? Probably not many. So he could, he could go, but that's like a 10% chance. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I'd say his size alone makes him a pretty notable commodity. And at least he's good. Um, I know he has one power play goal this year. He's at least good at being in front of the net on the power play. And he's, right. shown, an, he's shown an ability to put back some rebounds in that position. So even though he's not the most technically gifted hockey player, he's got he's got something to offer. He is the absolute opposite of Dennis Smirnoff. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, so Doug, do you want to talk about this piece that you wrote a little bit? Just talk about where some of these guys are. Sure. So I, I looked up on Elite Prospects where Penn State hockey alumni are playing this season, just because you know that's always interesting. It's 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 fun to see where the guys who kind of built the foundation for this team w- what they're doing nowadays. So just a quick update for anyone who didn't read it today: um, two guys in the AHL, Casey Bailey and Vince Pedry. As we said, and that's you know that's pretty exciting. A bunch of guys in the ECHL. Eamon McAdam is is one that stands out. He left a couple of years ago as a junior. He's in the Islanders organization, and he you know he's still pretty good. I know the Islanders. I, th- I think they stocked up on like bad goalies. They have they have a bunch in the system, and that's kind of creating a log jam. But if Eamon starts playing really well in the ECHL, he can he can uh jump up to the Bridgeport Sound Tigers and play with Casey Bailey. Um, Woo! Most, yeah. Woo-hoo. The most interesting uh, landing spot for me, I think, is David Goodwin, who's in the Finnish Liga, which I, I believe is the fifth best league in the world, and he uh, is leading his team in scoring, so that's really cool, and it would be nice to see him play in the AHL, because I think he definitely has the capability of doing that. And then the last thing I'll mention is there's like there's like 
20 guys in France. It's actually like six, but uh, David Glenn and Eric Scheid are reunited with this team called Gap, the Gap Raptors, or Les Repas de Gap. And uh, that's the Gap. <laughs> that's. <laughs> And uh, so yeah, they're they're re- reunited in France, and that's 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 neat. I think. Awesome. The Gapters, yeah. Nice. Come on, yeah. you you know you know that hardcore Raptors fans call them the Gapters. You know. Oh, it. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> There's some guy out there with the Raptors jersey on the back. It says Gapters '69. Oh, God. All right. And uh, coming to you next week from Store Lion Store, we will be selling a Gapters jersey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Let's talk about Michigan. Uh, so, Penn State taking on Michigan this upcoming weekend at Pagula Arena. They'll be playing this Friday night at 7 and then Saturday night at 8. So, you can tune in and watch that game at the right after Penn State is done laying the smackdown on Ohio State in football so that'll be a nice nice cool down from that head out to Pagula Arena to check that out if you'll be in town which I'm assuming you will since it's an away weekend and not many people can go to Columbus because tickets are super expensive the Roar Zone has said to wear your Halloween costumes on Friday so if you are planning on going make sure you do that Um, And if you do go on Saturday, you can actually watch the end of the football game on the Jumbotron in the arena, which is a really cool thing. I know they do a really good job of kind of understanding that they're... Pagula Arena does a really good job of understanding where they are in the Penn State sports atmosphere and making sure they pay homage to everything else that's going on. So that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, actually, speaking of that, what I thought was really interesting is... uh, um, after the AIC loss last weekend, at the at the end of his press conference, um, and this was Friday night, this was the day before football Saturday. At the end of his press conference, Gadowski says, "All right, everybody, have fun tomorrow. Like, good luck. You know, have a good time watching us play Michigan." Which I thought was really sweet that he that's that's what's yeah. on his mind at the end of his uh, workday. This whole the whole coaching um, kind of group all throughout the university they're they're all really supportive of each other. It's really cool to watch. Like Franklin and Chambers are always doing stuff together. I know Gadowski's mentioned a few times things he's picked up from Franklin, and um, they definitely seem like they're a really close knit kind of university staff, which is pretty cool. Definitely. Um, so Michigan, this is a. I'm not that it was ever not an important series because anytime Penn State's playing Michigan, it's important. But coming off of the AIC loss, this series is all of a sudden really important for Penn State because all this stuff we were talking about of if they can navigate this schedule, then they can overcome that AIC loss. It starts here. It starts with Michigan. So what do we need to know about this year's iteration of the Wolverines? Well, like you said, Penn State's going to need to win games against tough teams and there are a lot tougher teams on the schedule than Michigan and it's totally possible that Michigan sweeps Penn State this weekend so this this will be this is uh, you know as important as it gets especially if you believe like in taking it one week at a time and really Penn Penn State's playing Akron in hockey this weekend but Michigan is three and one this season uh first week they they had the same schedule as Penn State actually actually they're at the same uh upstate new york series so michigan also beat st lawrence and lost to clarkson then they had a bye week the week after that 
and then Michigan swept just, Vermont. Just crown Clarkson Big Ten champs now. Why waste time? Yeah. You can't beat them. You can't solve them. It's it's and like then, when uh, Indiana beat like three different SEC East teams in football like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Vermont went to Michigan last week, and Michigan swept Vermont pretty pretty comfortably. So the things to know about Michigan, uh, last year was a down year, and I think they are pretty much officially back. They really reloaded. Um. It's so disappointing. It was so much fun when, when uh, was they beat? I think Penn State beat Michigan like six one last year in the it first was game of the series. The most glorious, that was so much fun TV viewing event. And that was Trevor Hamilton had, had like had the, eight giant we, hits. Yeah, we had we had the uh, I'm just gonna call it the gift machine that we had working, and I was able to just get <laughs> clips of every single goal and hit. Oh, oh that's man, when he did so the fun. eating Sally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, but I don't know if that's going to happen this year because Michigan has a great freshman class. In my, in my preview of them before the season started, I said if these freshmen get going like Dennis Smirnov did last year if he, he when he got to a really hot start that never ended, uh, that's what I was thinking about Michigan is if they get their freshmen playing really well early, their offense and defense are going to be insane. And that's pretty much what has happened. Josh Norris has four points in four games and just – generally looks good i think he was drafted in the first round mid to late first round this past draft uh will lockwood who's a sophomore now also really good three points in four games he was drafted very early and then on defense they have two more draft picks luke martin who i think he's now a sophomore by the way he's he's another excellent player and then quinn hughes who i was looking up the other day because you know, I knew he was supposed to be good, so I thought, oh, when when was he drafted? He hasn't been yet because he's projected to be a top ten pick next year. So that's oh, sure. You know, that, yeah, that's sure, sure. Penn State doesn't really have any answers for that. Um, so that, they have this insane top end talent, but even then, these this depth like uh, Cooper Marodi, um, who else? Brendan Warren, Tony Calderon etc they have just an incredible roster and they've got this new head coach uh, just every everything really i think is going to go right i think the rebuild was taken care of in the offseason i think penn state or i'm sorry i think michigan is going to come out hot this year they're already three and one i think they have they're going to pick up a lot more wins early the one thing the one thing that can stop them is that i don't think they have a goalie yet they have the same guys last year Jack LaFontaine and Hayden Levine. And so far, they've both split time almost evenly. I think, let's see, Levine has played, uh, what's my math here? Levine has played 28 more seconds than LaFontaine has so far. They're both, both played two games, started two games. Uh, Yeah, and neither have looked especially good. And it seems that the coach hasn't picked a starter yet. So, if Penn State can take advantage of the goaltending, that's the key to the series. But otherwise, I think Michigan, it looks like, is going to have better skaters on the ice. But, of course, that's also true when Penn State plays Minnesota and this and Notre Dame and Ohio State a couple of years, maybe last year, Wisconsin. Sometimes a lot of teams look better on paper. Michigan especially does. But Penn State's key to the series is just keeping up on the ice and obviously out shooting them by a lot because I think if the shots pile up, Michigan's goalies might 
choke. Especially hope- with the Rorzum behind them. Yeah, and, and hopefully with, with the football team away, hopefully this will prompt even more people to try to get out to Pagula and um, really try to make that an intimidating environment because that's play- that place is really tough to play in for opposing teams when it's rocking. So hopefully the team can kind of use that energy to rebound and get back to where they're supposed to be after this past weekend. Uh, one thing that popped in my head, kind of off topic, but while you were talking about Michigan's draft picks, when do you think it will be, or how how far away is it, for Penn State to have a player who gets drafted in the first round? Oh, that is, that is great that you brought that up, because a real sneak peek at some content coming in like mid-November. Yes. Uh, I, I got to... Uh, I got to sit down with Godowski in his office last week or a week and a half ago, and I asked him that exact same question. Every year, there's a new first-round pick who's immediately the best player in the conference for some other team. It was Luke Cunningham a couple years ago, Casey Middlestad this year. Quinton Hughes obviously is already here, but he's going to be a top-ten pick next year. So I asked him, when's Penn State going to have an answer? And he said, it's really about how early that these players are recruited. So five years ago... You know, Minnesota recruited Middlestad. Five years ago, Penn State was in its first year of existing. So so not for a while seemed to be the answer he was giving me. Uh, you know, as much as they obviously would love these guys that the NHL wants, Penn State first needs to exist for a while and have a five-year, you know, head start on recruiting guys. But also, Penn State needs a history of winning because these you know, NHL players who are going to, they know, and they've known for a while, they're going to be taken in the first round. They know they're going to move on and play in the NHL. They want to go somewhere where they can win and they know they can win. So that means, you know, that's why they go to Minnesota and that's why they go to Boston university, Penn state just recently, meaning in like April proved that they can be a successful team. So really it's going to take sustained success and it's going to be like, a guy they recruit three or four or five years in advance. So not this year, probably not next year, probably not the year after that. Maybe if things are good the year after that, but it's still definitely a while off. But what if I really, really, really want it to happen right now? Well, then here's what you do. You find the recruit on Twitter. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> see when you do that for hockey recruits it's to a whole new level because then you're then you're telling like middle schoolers to come to right. high school you're telling a 14 year old here's where you have to go to college <laughs> oh lord i i bet there is some weird subdivision of twitter that does tweet at hockey recruits oh definitely <laughs> north like, dakota fans i'm sure it's probably all these kids that literally just like just created Twitter accounts for the purpose of committing. I know whoever the kid was that committed to Penn State semi recently. Um, I looked at the tweet and it was like his second tweet ever. So I think he yeah. literally <laughs> made the account just to commit. So is there like an oh, age man. limit on Twitter? Like you have to be thirteen to to press the terms and conditions. These recruits are just like lying about it. They're not old <laughs> enough to be on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm having a really, I'm really enjoying the mental image of people in North Dakota just viciously tweeting at like, <laughs> 13 year olds. <laughs> oh my god! 
Oh, we should we should probably we should probably go on that. Oh, well, actually, no. Before we do that, we need to make predictions about the Michigan series. Right, I was about to say. Um, yeah, I. Yeah. Uh, you go first. I haven't really thought about numbers. Um, I think, I think Penn State is too still too good and too proud, um, and to lose two games to Michigan on their home ice this early in the year. I think they, hopefully AIC was a little bit of a wake-up call for them. Um, so I'm going to say they come out with a little extra fire this weekend. I'll say that they I'll say that they drop the, actually, no. I'll say they win the Friday night game, um, let's say 4-2, maybe get an empty netter at the end. And I think, I think maybe the energy in the building will just be a little bit lower on Saturday because there is a pretty good chance that Penn State football will lose to Ohio State, and that will kind of affect the whole campus. And also, it just might not be um, as full because there will be people watching the end of the football game. So I think the energy in the building will be a little lower on Saturday. Um, so I'll say Michigan wins the second game, uh, let's say 3-2. Three, three, so I'll, I'll take I'll take a split here for Penn State. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a split with the same games being won for pretty similar reasons. I, but I think, I think Penn state kind of smacks Michigan in the first game. I think Penn state rebounds from the AIC loss and comes out very hot. I think the roar zone's extra loud a cause it's Michigan and B because I think they're probably going to anticipate a smaller crowd on Saturday. So they'll, they'll, you know, lose their voices on Friday night. So I think Penn state wins like, like six, one on Friday. I, I think they really, yeah, I th- I think they they win pretty big. Then Saturday, um, opposite of what you said, Penn State football is gonna beat Ohio State by so badly that fans are gonna be <laughs> you know gonna be too good of a mood to watch any other sports. They're just gonna go out to the bars. It's gonna be it's gonna be chaos. But nobody's gonna go to Pagula. And I think it'll be. I uh, but also like you said, a little more seriously. Um, I think the crowd won't be there at the beginning of the game because so, you know, if the crowd shows up in the second period, maybe Penn state comes out a little bit flat and I think Michigan wins three to one. I like your scenario better because it also involves Penn state football winning. So listen, listen to Doug. Don't listen to me as per usual. Yeah. But I don't know a thing about football. <laughs> you, you know, enough, you know, enough. Yeah. <clears throat> And with that, I think we can put a nice bow and tie up the wrapping paper on this episode of the Roar Lines Radio, the Puck Podcast. Doug, do you have any any final thoughts you want to add? Uh, no. Great. Um, unfortunately, this weekend's series against Michigan is criminally not going to be televised. Um, so if you're in the area, obviously do whatever you can to get out to Pagula Arena and take in the games in person. If you are watching or attempting to watch from home like myself, since we can't watch, we're just going to have to rely on the wonderful tweets from Doug on the Roar Lines Roar Twitter account. Um, hopefully, I think usually when the team is not on TV, the official Penn State hockey account's pretty good about putting videos up of big things that happen um, as close to when they happen as possible. So be sure you're following the official Penn State hockey account as well as Roar Lines Roar so you can stay updated. You can follow the game tracker as well, although it's just it's just not quite the same as watching an actual hockey game. Um, but at least it's something. 
Uh, make sure you follow Roar Lions Roar on Facebook, on Twitter, on SoundCloud to get the podcast there. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play and uh, Overcast, I believe. Uh, make sure you follow Roar Lions Roar. Like I said, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat is being used sparingly. I've been trying to do a thing where I use it on Fridays from now on, so we'll be able to talk about um, the hockey game on Friday morning as I'm driving to work and Snapchatting. Um, make sure you go to RoarLinesRoar.com and click on the store link if you would like to buy any of our fine shirts, specifically the Ruining College Hockey Since 2012 shirt. I believe we only have like three left in stock, and I would really, really, really like a reason to order more because they really are awesome shirts. I'm actually wearing mine right now. Super that's, that's what I wanted to say. That's what I, I yeah. forgot to mention. I'm wearing mine right now, too, and it's, yes. oh, my God, it's so comfortable. They're all, they're all, all of these shirts really are um, humbly made. Mitch, the guy who makes these shirts, does a fantastic job, and um, you need to reward him by rewarding us so we can pay him to make more shirts for us. See, see how that works? It's, I know it's complicated, it. but uh, yeah, it's, it's important. So buy shirts. They're super great. And if you continue to buy hockey shirts, that could even prompt us to possibly think of a new one. Um, maybe mm-hmm. something's maybe something, I don't know, maybe inspired by uh, the Nashville Predators. Who knows? Oh. Yeah. Has, has get, that been in talks? It's hard to never, say. You never know. You never know. It's hard to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, follow us on all those all those various places. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes if you can. Helps us get us helps to get us in the le- ears of more listeners and more listeners need to hear our voices. Um, for Doug Leeson, once one more time, this is Nick Pollock. Thanks for listening, everyone. Go State, beat Michigan.